Welcome to the Celebrate Community Church of Yankton podcast. My name is Jeff Todd, and I have the privilege of serving as pastor of this amazing church community here in Yankton, South Dakota. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it's my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Again, if you're a guest, we want to say welcome home. We're so glad that you're joining us, and if you're watching online or listening to the podcast, we're welcome home. We're glad that you're here and being part of this series called The Real McCoy. And I already mentioned this, but man, it's like a quick trip. It feels like we just got started and we're already halfway booking through this, guys. But just to kind of give you some background, again, if you're new, um, what, what does that term mean, The Real McCoy? It says, what does it really mean to have a real relationship with Jesus Christ? And, and am I The Real McCoy? And I've been making this statement. I'm going to keep saying it. Our world is not looking for perfect people. I think there's a myth out there that says, if I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, if I say I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, I have to have everything all together. I have to have all my life perfect, and I never fail at all. And that's not what people are looking for. Our world is not looking for perfection. Our world is looking for authenticity. They're looking for real. If if you say you are, how does that work? And when you fail, not if you fail, because it will happen. When you fail, do you own it and do you turn from it? Do you take responsibility, and do you try to make it right? See, that's what it means to be the real McCoy. And I think a lot of us would say, maybe if you're in this room, oh, yes, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ, but just coming to church doesn't make you a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, Unfortunately, there's a lot of people that come on Sunday and think, well, I got that box checked, everything's okay, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Matthew 25 is one of the the hardest passages for me to read because that's the passage where Jesus says many on that day will say to me Lord, 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 didn't I, didn't I, didn't I and Jesus will say depart from me, I never knew you church, that's what it means to be the real McCoy is to follow Jesus with all our heart, soul, and mind. And so just to kind of by way of review to set this up for you, um, we'll go back to week one. We talked about we have to settle the question of who is my authority. Every man, woman, and child you will meet has an authority which they live their life by. Whether they admit it or not, there's something about them that says, this is right, this is wrong, this is what I do, this is what I won't do. This is okay, this is not okay. Where do you set that standard? Do you know what happens for me? It's God's word. And I've settled that question in my life. God's word is my authority. And what I've said before is, I don't think it's because we don't understand God's word. I think that's a myth. I think people say, oh, the Bible's confusing and it's difficult. No, it's not. I think the problem is, if we say the Bible is our authority, then we have to obey it. (laughs) Because can I just say this? There's some things in God's word that I don't really like. There's some things in God's word that are kind of hard to understand and for me to live out. See, I think that's the real problem. I think we don't want to say God's word is our authority because then we have to live it out. And the second week, we talked about repentance. We talked about what it means to really turn from and be fed up with our lives, owning our mistakes, and getting up and doing something about it. We talked about the story of the prodigal sons. Remember I said we talked about there's two. There was two brothers. There wasn't just one. He gets a lot of attention. But there's that second brother that's really the key to the story. It's to say, hey, nobody thinks they're the second brother. We all can relate to the one that says, oh, I was lost, and I was in a dark place, and God picked me up and saved me. But nobody ever thinks I might be the older brother. I might be the one that sits in and becomes pompous and becomes righteous and self-righteous. See, that's what we need to understand. That's what it means to be the real McCoy. And last week, Pastor Justin was here, and oh my goodness, didn't he do a fantastic job? I love Pastor Justin, and, and I tell you what, one of, the, one of the 
awesomest people that was in the room last week is his wife, Stephanie, and she didn't get a chance to speak, and she's, I, I tease Stephanie a little bit, maybe she's listening, because, man, she's, she's an anointed speaker from God, and, and I said, man, next time I want Stephanie to speak, so I called you out, honey, <laughs> but it was awesome to hear his story, because here's the thing, why I wanted Justin to come and talk to you guys, because Justin's the real McCoy. Justin is a person who says, not only has God saved my life, not only has God redeemed me, now me and my wife, we're going to spend the rest of our lives dedicating to building God's kingdom and sharing that love. That's what it means to be the real McCoy. And that's why, church, you know, I just want to say this again. With this series, this is kind of a hard teaching. And I just want you to know, as your pastor, I pray for you guys all the time. And I pray, and this has been my prayer throughout this series, is that you wouldn't feel beat up, okay? Because it's hard. And I don't ever want you to feel like I'm, I'm coming down on you. Because here's what I want you to understand. My role as a pastor is to equip and empower you. I want you to be equipped and empowered. That's why we're doing that daily devotional. I'm saying God's word needs to be your authority. So as your pastor, I'm going to equip you. And every day, I'm going to give you a devotional from God's word that you can use. Do you see how that works? I want to equip and empower you. But, but I agree with Mark Batterson. I'm reading a book right now from him. He's a wonderful pastor in Washington, D.C. And this is what Mark Batterson says. He says, your role as a pastor is to comfort the afflicted. When people come in and they're hurting and they're in pain and they're struggling, our job as a pastor is to comfort the afflicted. But then he said this too, and your role is also to afflict the comfortable. <laughs> See, when you get comfortable, that's when it gets dangerous. When, when, when we get, can I just say it, when we get spiritually lazy, you need sometimes you need a little poke, okay? And I'm, I'm not exempt from that either. I need the pokes as well. But, but that's what I hope this series is, church. I hope that is. If you're, comfort, if you're feeling afflicted right now, I hope you're feeling comforted. But can I just say this? If you're kind of comfortable right now, I hope you're feeling a little poke because that's what it means to be the real McCoy. So today, um, we're going to, as we continue on, we're going to be talking about something that's super, super important to understand as we're on this journey of what it means to be the real McCoy, to really be a follower of Jesus Christ. And what we're going to talk about today is our emotions. Every single one of us have emotions. And, and, and what I said is, how do I deal with what I feel? I love that phrase. How do I deal with what I feel? See, it's really easy to act like Jesus. I'm just going to say that. It's really easy to act like Jesus. The stuff that Jesus says, it's easy to act like. You know what's difficult? It's difficult to react like Jesus. Let, let me walk you what, what I'm saying. See, when I'm calm, when I'm well-rested... When I'm in a good mood, when things are going great, I can act like Jesus. That's easy, right? That's fun. But then, then the problem happens, I have to get out of bed, <laughs> right? And then the world changes, and then things happen. People do stupid things, right? People say hurtful things. Tragedy problems always come up, and we have emotions. And how do we deal with what I feel? But before we look at this, I just want to say this, and I'm, you're going to probably hear me say this a couple of times, because I just want to make sure we get this straight. Your feelings are not right or wrong. Did you know that? How you feel is how you feel. That's not right or wrong. How you react to how you feel is where it can become right or wrong. Do you see the difference between those two things? All of us have feelings. All of us have emotions. But how do you manage those emotions? What is your response? What is your reaction? That's what can get us in trouble. So if you got your note sheets, I want you to take it out. The back of these are blank. There's a reason for that because we got things we want to write down. And remember, if you're going to be part of the real McCoy, and there should be pens. If you don't have a pen, let me know. We'll get you one. But I'm going to give you, just to kind of lay the foundation of this, I'm going to give you four facts 
about our emotions. And I want you to write these down because these are four realities that we need to recognize when it comes to our emotion. And the first one might seem kind of simple, but I'm going to lay it out for you. God has emotions. God has emotions. And I'm not going to go through all these scriptures I could, but just for the sake of time, I'm just going to kind of summarize for you. God's word says these about God. God's word says that God gets angry. Now, I want to be very clear on something. God is not an angry God. There's a difference between what I just said there, right? There's some people that think God is an angry God. He's sitting in heaven with a lightning bolt waiting for me to screw up so I can strike you dead. That's not my God. That's not what I said. God gets angry. I'll give you an example. In God's word, it says, if you hurt a child, if you hurt a child, it would be better for a millstone to be hung around your neck and thrown into the sea. God gets angry when children get hurt. And if you get angry when you see a child gets hurt, that is a righteous anger. That is from God. That should, can I just say, tick you off. Anger is an emotion that God experiences. God experiences sorrow. It breaks God's heart. God, there's time after time, especially in the Old Testament, where God says, I'm just so hurting, I'm sorrow. It just hurts my heart so bad. God feels sorrow. God also feels joy. There's great things about life that makes God joyful. And nothing makes God more joyful than when his children love and serve him. God experiences joy. Here's a very interesting one. And we could have a whole message on this one, so I'm going to try to stay on topic with this. God experiences jealousy. The Bible says my God is a jealous God. Now, I think we think about jealousy in a negative way, right? We think about jealousy in a kind of manipulative, kind of nagging kind of way. God experiences jealousy because his desire is for us to be with him. And, and I'll use the example of Elaine and I. I'm jealous for Elaine. I should be as her husband. I want to be with her. I want to spend time with her. And, and I'm not talking like in, in a sexual way. What I'm saying is, is that intimacy, that relationship. God's jealous for our attention. Can I just say that? Like a little child, right? You know, like a little child, they want your attention all the time. That's my God. He's jealous for you. God is a God of passion. But, but the, the thing, the main emotion that God experiences is love. In fact, the Bible says God is love, right? God has emotion. God wants to have a passionate relationship with you. And I've already mentioned a husband and wife, a parent and a child. What God doesn't want is God doesn't want a casual relationship with you. And there's so many people that say, you know, I'll come to church Christmas and Easter. I'll check that box and I'll go away. That hurts the heart of God. God doesn't want to have a cat. What if I told my wife, honey, I'll see you at Christmas, okay? I'm going to go. I got some things to do. Do you think I'd stay married for very long? But yet we treat God that way all the time. And, and we have people in the church that will say, oh, I'll come to church on Sunday, you know, if it's convenient for me or if it works out okay. How do you think that sounds? What if I told my wife, you know, honey, I'm kind of busy this week. I might be home on Tuesday. I'm not sure. We'll see. Do you see what that is? That hurts the heart of God because God has emotional. God has emotions, and he's a passionate emotion with you. Here's the second thing that you want to write down. Emotions are a gift from God. I've already said this. Emotions aren't a bad thing. Emotions are a gift from God. See, every man, woman, and child you meet is created in the image of God. God did not create man and woman to be robots. He could have done that. And in some ways, not to get too deep into the pool, that's kind of what the angels are. The angels don't have a choice. They just always have to worship God. But God didn't want that with people. God created man and woman to have a relationship with him. So God gave us emotions. And emotions are a gift from God. Now I want to ask you a question. Can a gift be a blessing and destructive at the same time? 
Absolutely it can. Let's, let's, let's imagine this. Let's imagine that I gave you the gift of a car, okay? You have a brand new car, it's sitting outside, here are the keys. How many of you would say that's a pretty good gift? Y'all are lying, you're in church. That's a great gift, right? <laughs> that's a great gift to get, right? I actually, I had the opportunity, true story. Um, we had a person when I was working in Sioux Falls, we had a person that come to our church and he said, listen, I have this car. I feel God's calling me to give this car to somebody and, and I want to bless somebody with this car. And I actually, f- true story, I had a conversation with a guy just the like week before, single dad, and his car just took a dump and he was out of car. And I'm like, I know exactly who should get this car. And we actually called him up, and I got the privilege of going to this single dad and saying, here's a brand new car. It wasn't brand new, it was used. But here's a, here's a car that you can have. Do you think he was blessed by that gift? Yeah. Now, now, this didn't happen, but let's just play with me for a second. Let's say he went out and got drunk, got in the car with his kids, and crashed his car. Was that a gift? Was that also a destructive gift? Absolutely it could be. Church, your emotions are the exact same thing. Don't miss that. Your emotions are a gift from God, and they can be a blessing but can they also be a curse? Absolutely, they can be destructive. And how? It depends on how we use them. How we deal with how we feel. It can be a blessing in our life, and it can be destructive. And I'm just gonna go ahead and say this. Some of us, and I put myself in this category, are very highly emotional people, okay? If you don't know me, I'm a very highly emotional person. And that's okay, that's how God made me. Can that get me in trouble? Has it? (laughs) We have to learn how to deal with how we feel. And some of us are not that way. Some of us are just kind of flat, affect. Did God create us that way? Yeah. Is that good or bad? No. But can that get us in trouble too? Absolutely. See, emotions can be a blessing or it can be destructive. You know, I heard a story one time um, about a a farmer who had a mother-in-law. Now, I have a great mother-in-law, and sometimes she watches, so I love you. This is not a joke about you, I promise. (laughs) But he had a mother-in-law, and the mother-in-law would be coming to the farm, and she would always nag him. Every time she would come, she'd tell him all the things that were wrong with the farm, all the things that are wrong with the farm. So one day she comes, and they're walking around the farm, and she just starts saying, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong, this is wrong. And they walk by this donkey pen, and donkey kicks her right in the head, just like that, dies instantly. Like terrible, terrible tragedy, right? So they go to the funeral, and uh, they're up on, you know, there, and the farmer's sitting there. People are coming up and giving him condolences. And he, a friend of his came, and he noticed something. He noticed that whenever... The women came up to him and said something to him. The farmer would nod his head like this. But whenever a guy would come up to the farmer, the farmer would shake his head like this. So his friend was kind of curious about this. So his friend came up and offered his condolences to the farmer. And he says, I just got to ask you about this. What's this thing going on? He says, well, here's what's happening. Whenever the uh, you know, women come up and they say, it's such a terrible tragedy. I go, yes, yes, it is. And all the guys come up and say, can I borrow that mule? And he's like, no, no, you can't. <laughs> How many of you know somebody? Okay, all right, it's okay. (laughs) Emotions can be a blessing and they can be destructive. We can go to extremes, and the key in our life is to not go to extremes, to stay in the middle, because the emotions are a gift from God. Here's the third one our emotions are unreliable. I'm going to say that one more time. Our emotions are unreliable. If you listen to any type of love song, music, it's always the same message, right? Listen to your heart. Follow your heart. Do what your heart says. Everybody look right here. Don't do that. That's terrible advice. I don't know those songs. Like, like, you do, it's t- our emotions are unreliable. Look at what Proverbs 14, 12 says. There is a way that appears right 
But in the end, it leads to what, church? Death. There's a way that appears right, but in the end, it leads to what? Death. We, our emotions are unreliable. How many of you remember an actress by the name of Zsa Zsa Gabor? I'm kind of old. Any Zsa Zsa Gabor? Okay, a few people. Okay, great. If you're not familiar, she, uh, she was quite the actress. This is a quote from Zsa Zsa Gabor. She says, a girl must marry for love and keep marrying until she finds it. <laughs> not good advice. Do you know how many times Zsa Zsa Gabor was married? Nine times. Can you imagine that? Nine times. Now, it's kind of funny, and we laugh about it, but can I just be honest with you? I've talked to so many couples whose marriages are coming apart, and many of them end in divorce. And do you know why? Because they followed their emotions, and their emotions are unreliable. I don't know anybody who gets into a relationship that's not having an emotional connection with somebody, but if that's what we're relying on, if all we're relying on is our emotions and our feelings, it can be destructive because our emotions are unreliable. Here's the fourth one about our emotions. Our emotions can be manipulated. Our emotions can be manipulated. You know, one of the things I love, I, I love a lot of things, you guys know that about me, but one of the things I love, I absolutely love infomercials, okay? Now, I don't, they don't do them a lot more. I don't, maybe they do them on YouTube now, but used to be like on cable. You know, you know what I'm talking about, right? There's a product that you would have no interest in. If it, it was sitting on the store shelf, you wouldn't even probably notice this product, right? But it's late at night, and you're watching TV, and this guy comes on, and, and there's a studio audience. You know what I'm talking about? And, and there's this, like, this dehydrator, right? And, and it says, you know, it'll take this shoe and turn it into beef jerky. And you're like, oh, I like beef jerky. Let's do that. But, but wait, right? But wait, there's more, right? Not only can it do that, there's these Ginsu knives, and, and they'll cut through like steel and, and still cut a tomato. Oh, yeah, and, and, but wait, there's more. You know, there's other things that you can do. They, they have this, uh, um, you know, car, whatever. And he says, listen, this is the best thing ever, and, and you can get it for 14 easy payments of 19.99, right? Remember that? You're like, well, I can do that. 14 easy payments. That's easy. I can do that. And we end up buying these stupid things that we would have no interest in at all. Why? Because our emotions can be manipulated. Show of hands. Be honest. How many of you have ever bought something and regretted it later? That's right. See, there's an entire industry where that's their job is to manipulate your emotions. It's called advertising. They do a pretty good job of it too, don't we? Billions of dollars are spent because our emotions can be manipulated. Look what Proverbs 25, 28 says. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. We need to understand our emotions because our emotions are very easily manipulated. And it can get us into so much trouble. 1 Corinthians 13, 11, it says, When I was a child, I talked like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. Look at the next part. When I became a man, I put away the childish things behind me. See, Many of us can say this, and maybe some of us are in this camp, where maybe we're grown up chronologically, but emotionally we're still pretty immature. And if they're here with you today, do not elbow them, don't look at them, okay? But I'm just saying, that can be emotionally immature. And part of developing emotionally, emotional maturity, and also spiritual maturity is really defined by how we manage our emotions. And I'm going to say it one more time. I promise you I keep saying it. 
How you feel is not wrong. What you feel is what you feel. That's, you can't control that. But you can respond. How you respond is key. How do you deal with what you feel? And if you want to be the real McCoy, we need to understand this, and we need to respond like Jesus would. Look at what Proverbs 5.23 says. For lack of discipline, they will die. Let us stray by their own great folly. Boy, if we had time, we could go around the room, and we could all share times when we let our emotions get the best of us, and it hurt us. We see it on TV. We see it on the Internet all the time. These people that are famous, and maybe they have ministry. Maybe they have a successful business. And one time where they don't manage their emotions, and they lose it all. They've lost relationships. They've lost marriages. And, and I've seen pastors lose entire ministries because of one time of not being able to control their emotions. So Proverbs is exactly right. So how do I do it? How do I master my emotions? So what we're going to do with the time we have left here is I'm going to give you three thoughts that I have about mastering our emotions, and then I'm going to show you a situation where Jesus did exactly what we talked about and applied it so what we can do. So let's go ahead, and, and the first one is, how do I master my emotions? So I want you to write this down. The first thing you need to do, if you want to master your emotions, if you want to be successful in life and be the real McCoy, you have to claim it. You have to claim it. I want everybody to say it with me. Claim it. Let's do it one more time. Claim it. We have to claim it. Part of claiming it, though, is also recognizing what you shouldn't claim. Let me explain what I mean by that. Fred Smith is an author, and he wrote this, and I just think this is so good, church. Listen to what he writes. A problem is best defined as something I can do something about. If you can do something about it, it's a problem. If you can't do something about it, Smith says, it's not a problem. It's a fact of life. I have to constantly be able to recognize between problems that I can do something about and facts of life. Facts of life, I need to accept them, live with them, and not consider them problems. I can't solve things that can't be solved. Therefore, I don't spend any time thinking about them. Our facts of life are in God's hands, and he manages these things. And don't miss this part, church. He expects us to focus our attention on the task he has given us to do. There we find our legitimate problems. When we try to carry both our problems and our facts of life, we increase the pressure and set ourselves up for an emotional struggle. Church, there are things in your life that are completely out of your hands. And if you feel the need to try to grab control and make control of those, you have a problem. And it's the same problem I've had too, so not pointing any fingers, church. I've been there before too. But we need to surrender those to God and do the things that God has called us to do. I've already made this statement that Elaine and I, we're exact opposites. Like if, if I see something as red, she sees it as orange. It's just always been that way. Isn't it funny? I think God has a sense of humor, right? Because he'll take two people like that and put them together and they'll get married and fall in love. All right? That's what happens sometimes. But, but here's what I'm going to say. You know what Elaine absolutely loves? She absolutely loves when I try to fix her. When I, when I try to show her how wrong she is and how right I am, she absolutely loves that. And you're laughing because it's, you know it's not true. How many of you know how difficult it is to try to change somebody? You can't do it. It doesn't happen. Why do we waste so much time and energy trying to do that? And I love what Smith says. That's not a problem. That's just a fact of life. Sometimes people are just going to do what they're going to do. And, and we've tried things. We try to whine, we try to complain, moan, guilting. None of that works. But do you know who can change a life? 
Jesus Christ can. So we spend a lot of time, effort, and energy trying to change people when instead we should just, part of claiming it, like I said, claiming is knowing what I can change, but also understanding what I need to surrender and give back to God and put it in his hands. So if you're having a trouble with your boss right now, if your boss is being a struggle right now, is that a problem or a fact of life? It's a fact of life, right? Because you're not going to change your boss. Let's say, you know, it's your neighbor. Let's say it's your spouse. How about this? Your past. Can you do anything to change your past? No, it's a fact of life. So don't waste time thinking about that. Deal with what you can right now. How about your family? Like I said, we don't get to pick our family a lot of times, right? We're kind of stuck with who our family is. It's a fact of life. We need to deal with that. How about the Vikings getting spanked today by the Cleveland Browns? Is that a problem or a fact of life? It's a fact of life. It's going to happen, right? It's going to happen. We can't fix that. It's a problem. I love that. Claiming it means if I can change it, change it. But if I can't, give it to God. Many of you in this room know the serenity prayer. I'm sure you've heard it before. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, something that I learned by preparing for this message that I never knew before that probably my brothers and sisters who have been part of recovery already know, that's not the end of the serenity prayer. Did you know that? I didn't know that. There's actually a whole other section to that. I learned that when I was preparing for this message. So I'm going to read you the entire serenity prayer because I think this is a great prayer. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things that I cannot change the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Here's the rest of it. Living one day at a time, enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as he did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it, trusting that he will make things right. If I surrender to his will so that I may be reasonably happy in this life, and supremely happy with him forever and ever in the next. Amen. I love that prayer, church. We got to claim it. If you can fix it, do it. If you can't, let it go. Here's the second thing you need to do. When you feel those motions, when they come up, after you claim it, you need to challenge it. Say that with me. Challenge it. Okay? Lou Holtz, one of the great college coaches of all time, coached Notre Dame and some other programs as well. This is a quote from him, and I love this. He would tell his football team after every single game, no matter the outcome, this is what he said to his football team. Men, no victory is as good as it seems, and no defeat is as bad as it seems. Somewhere in the middle is the reality. I just love that statement. Because can I, can I just be honest with you? There's a lot of times in life where I make things a lot bigger than they actually are. And there's a lot of times where I see things as a lot worse than maybe they actually are too. Because my emotions are unreliable, aren't they? And they can be manipulated, and we can see that. Look at what Psalms 26.2 says. Psalms 26.2, test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. That word examine right there is the exact same word that we would use today for like a cross-examination. Think of a courtroom. Think of a lawyer. What's the, objection in a, in, what's the objective in a cross-examination? It's to find out the truth. It's to ask questions to try to get the person on the stand to really admit what's actually going on. That's what we need to ask God to do because we can't rely on our emotions. They're unreliable. They can be manipulated. God, help me. Search me and find that out. Am I seeing this correctly? Is this really what's going on here? Challenge your emotions to see what actually is going on. There was a book I read earlier this year 
It's called Soundtracks by John Acuff. I don't know if you've ever had this experience before, but I read the first chapter and I went, oh my goodness, this guy is living in my head. I, I, it was like, it was amazing. He, he basically, I'd love to meet John Acuff sometime. I got a chance to see him um, speak several years ago, but I'm just like, this guy and I, I think are wired exactly the same. And this book was so like groundbreaking for me personally. A lot of stuff that taught me that I'm still not even ready to preach on yet because I'm still learning about myself. But one of the things that I learned in that book, and I've shared this before, you'll hear me say this again, is there's three questions that Acuff asked. Now, he didn't make this up, but it's, it's, it's good to write down. This is what he said. I always ask these three questions. When I'm challenging my own thoughts and my emotions, I need to ask these three questions. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? Now, you always start with, is it true first? Is it true? If it's not true, you let it go. And you know what we say sometimes? We say things that aren't true, especially about ourselves. How many of you have ever said the term, well, I'm, I'm just a moron? That's not true. You're created in the image of God. So you stop. You don't say that. Is it helpful? Now, the problem is sometimes things can be true, but they're not helpful, right? <laughs> is it true and helpful? And then the last thing is, is it kind? You know the most unkind person I am to? Me. I say things to myself that I would never say to somebody else. I've sold myself before. Oh, Jeff, you're such an idiot. I would never look at somebody and say, you're an idiot. How terrible would that be? Why would I say that to myself, right? Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? We have to challenge those things. We have to challenge that in our mind and our emotions because we, our emotions can be unreliable. Um, there's a gentleman that I know by the name of Pastor Reed DeVries. I love this guy with all my heart. Um, he has been a mentor in my life. He actually, just so you can relate to this, he actually oversees all of the Celebrate Networks, all the church plants we talk about. That's kind of Reed's position is kind of overseeing all that. Reed has been in ministry for over 40 years. Um, another thing about Reed that he will probably never tell you is he's also been a co-vocational minister. So not only has he worked in full-time ministry, his wife and him have actually run a successful business for the last 40 plus years. Um, just an incredible guy. Um, amazing person in my life. And so Reed made this statement one time. I've never forgot it. He said, Jeff, I've had thousands of conversations. He's not exaggerating. 40 years of ministry, business, all. He said, Jeff, I've had thousands of conversations with people. And he said, 99% of the time, this one thing is true. So when he says that, my ears perk up, right? 99% of the time, this is what's going to happen. So this is how Reed describes it to me. And this is true. 100% true. I found this. 99%, right? <laughs> Person A will come to you, and they'll say, person A has a problem. Person A has a problem, and person A's problem is B. Now, B can be whatever. B can be a person. B can be a job. B can be financial. Whatever. Person A has a problem, and it's B. And this is what he said. He said 99% of the time, B is never the problem. B has exposed a problem, and there's also a C, D, E, F, G, all the way down that's really going on. Maybe something from the past, maybe it's a hurt, maybe a pain, maybe something they're dealing with that you have to kind of pull back the layers and find. Why do I tell you that? Because our emotions, we need to challenge them. Just because you think this is the problem, 99% of the time, can I just say it again? That's not the problem. There's something deeper that's really going on that you really need to drill down and you really need to get into. And that's why we need to challenge our emotions. Why am I feeling this way? So here's what we need to do. We need to claim it. We need to challenge it. And here's the third thing. We need to choose to change it. We need to choose to change it. Say that with me. Choose to change it. So if you got your Bibles, I hope you do, go to Mark 14. 
Uh, if you don't have a Bible, I highly encourage you to go to Uversion. It's a free app on any smartphone or device. We're going to look at a passage where Jesus did exactly what I just walked through. And we're going to walk through that together. Mark 14, just to kind of set this up for you. This is the night Jesus was betrayed and murdered. If you can imagine, he's probably experiencing a lot of emotions, knowing what's going to happen, knowing what's going to do. I don't know how busy your week was, but I didn't die for the sins of the world. So um, probably whatever we're facing in perspective, what Jesus faced that night, um, probably doesn't really add up to that. But I think there's something that we can relate to in what Jesus says. So Mark 14, I'm going to start in the 33rd verse. He, meaning Jesus, took Peter, James, and John alongside with him, and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. What's Jesus doing right there? He's claiming his emotions. I'm going to read it again. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. He claimed it. And, and I don't want you to miss this, church. He brought Peter, James, and John with him. If you don't know about Peter, James, John, those are the three. So Jesus had a bunch of people that followed him. And of all those people that followed him, he picked 12 to be his disciples. Sometimes they're called the apostles. Out of those 12, Jesus picked three of those, and they said they were just really tight circle. Now, I say that to say this. If the Son of, Son of God, the Lord God Almighty, needed people in his life, don't you think you and I probably need some people in our life too? Who are the three people in your life that you would pull the closest to at the worst point in your life? If you don't have an answer to that question, welcome home. We're glad you're here. There's a bunch of people in this room who can be that for you. We need to have those people. If Jesus needed them, so do we. And so Jesus brought those people close to him, and he, he claimed it. He claimed, listen, this is how I'm feeling right now, guys. I just want to let you know I'm claiming it. But now look at what he does in verse 35. Going a little further, he fell to the ground and prayed that if it was possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. What's Jesus doing? He's challenging it. He's saying, listen, I, I, Father, if there's any way, this is my emotions, and I'm challenging this. What can I do about this? And I, I don't want you to miss this prayer because it's so powerful. Jesus prayed, if it's possible, take this away from me. Can I just tell you something? Whatever you're facing in your life right now that's really hard or maybe in your past, if you've ever prayed to God, God, take this away, that's a pretty righteous prayer. Do you know why? Because Jesus prayed that prayer. God is okay with you praying to God, God, take this away. God, I can't handle this. God, I don't know what I'm going to do. God, this is, I'm in over my head. God, take this away. That is okay to pray to my God because my Jesus just prayed that prayer to him. But I want you to hear something and don't miss a church. Sometimes God won't. God didn't take that cup from Jesus. And sometimes in life, I love you with all my heart, but I'm just telling you, if you choose to be a follower of Jesus Christ, sometimes God isn't going to take it away. I don't know why. I wish I could explain it to you, but understand this. We have to claim it. We have to challenge it. And, and, then, and then look at what Jesus prays, and this is the key. This is how we choose to change it. Verse 36, yet not what I will, but you will. You've heard me say this so many times, church. It's thy will be done or my will be done. We've got to choose. And how we choose to change it is we choose to say, God, thy will be done. I'm going to accept the things that I cannot change. I'm going to have the wisdom to change the things I can, the courage to know the difference. I messed that up, but you know where I'm going with it, right? Like, that's what we've got to do. We've got to choose to change it and give it up to God. If we want to be the real McCoy, we need to learn how to manage our emotions. And if I could just say it, we need to master our emotions 
by giving it over to the master, the, the one who did it, who never failed, and how he did that. He loved us so immensely. There's a book called The Greatest Salesman of the World, and I, and I want to read this quote to you because I think this is awesome. This is a great mantra. If you're struggling, if you're like me and you're a really highly emotional person, this might be something you need to just read through every day. Today I will master my emotions. It is one of nature's tricks, little understood, that each day I awaken with moods that have changed from yesterday. Yesterday's joy will become today's sadness, yet today's sadness will grow into tomorrow's joy. Inside me is a wheel constantly turning from sadness to joy, from exaltation to depression, from happiness to melancholy. Like the flowers today, full of bloom, will fade and wither into despondency, yet I will remember that as today's dead flowers carry the seeds of tomorrow's bloom. So today's sadness carry the seeds of tomorrow's joy. Today I will master my emotions. Each day when I awaken, I will follow this plan of battle before I captured by the forces of sadness, self-pity, and failure. If I feel depressed, I will sing. If I feel sad, I will laugh. If I feel ill, I will double my labor. If I feel fear, I will plunge ahead. If I feel inferior, I will wear new garments. If I feel uncertain, I will raise my voice. If I feel poverty, I will think of wealth to come. If I feel incompetent, I will remember past success. If I feel insignificant, I will remember my goals. Today, I will master my emotions. And church, I just love that because I want to tell you from the bottom of my heart, if you don't learn to master your emotions, your emotions will master you. And if we want to be the real McCoy, we need to understand our emotions. Our emotions are a gift from God. And those gifts can be a blessing or it can be destructive. But our emotions are unreliable. We can't count on them because our emotions can be manipulated. And we need to understand how to master our emotions. And how do we do that? We do it just like Jesus did. Because again, we're created in the image of God. And we, we feel the same things that God feels. And, and just like Jesus did, we need to claim it. We need to claim that this is a problem. And I could do something about it. Or we need to claim that it's a fact of life. And God, I'm going to surrender it to you. I'm going to surrender this person to you, God, whatever that might be. Because there's certain things in life that we just can't change. And why are we going to stress and worry about it? And the second thing we need to do is we need to challenge it. We need to understand what's really going on here. Ask those questions. Is it true? Is it helpful? Is it kind? We need to challenge those emotions. Can I just give you an example? That just happened to me yesterday. I was having an emotion, and I was feeling a certain way. And, I, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm remembering this message that I'm going to stand up here and preach to you today. And, and, and I thought, you know what? And I reached out. I reached out to a couple people in my life. I said, hey, I'm feeling this way. Can you give me some feedback on that? And I got some really good, helpful feedback on that. Because I'm like, if I'm going to stand up here, I'm going to tell these people that this is what you need to do. I should probably be living it out myself, right? See what it means to be the real McCoy? And I appreciated that so much. See, we need to claim it. We need to challenge it. But then we need to choose to change it. And those three are going to be up on the screen. So you can write them down and you can, you can live those out. Because we need to learn to master our emotions. We need, must surrender to the master. That's how we master our emotions is we surrender to the master. We say, not my will, but your will be done. It's okay to pray to God, God, take this away. My God can handle it. But again, he might choose not to. He might say, no, I need you to bear this cup. 
And can I just say something? I'm so glad Jesus chose to bear the cup. I'm really grateful that he did that. And, and there's somebody in your life who will be grateful that you did that too. Even though it's hard and it might be hurtful, you might not understand it at the time. If we can master our emotions, we can change the world. And, and I just want to say again before I pray, man, we need to do this with other people in our lives. We need to have people in our lives who love Jesus, who love us, and who are not going anywhere, that we can trust and we can count on. And church, I just want to say again, I love the fact that I pastor a church that's full of those people. And I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart for doing that, because we need to do that. If Jesus, if Jesus needed it, how much more do you and I? Let's pray. God, I'm so grateful for the gift that you gave us of emotions. God, you are an emotional God, as we talked about. You, ha you have all those emotions. You feel all those things, and you gave them to us as a gift. That's how we love our children. That's how we love our spouses. That's how we love baseball or, or apple pie or whatever it is, God, because we have emotions. But with this tremendous gift comes tremendous responsibility as well because it can be really destructive. God, our emotions can lead us astray. It can lead us to addiction. It can lead us to selfishness. It can lead us to hurtful behavior if we don't learn to manage our emotions. God, help us to deal with how we feel. And God, I just ask so much today that we would claim those things. That we would maybe just, maybe we need to look at that serenity prayer every morning and just pray that prayer every morning, God. Maybe we just need to do that. Understand there's things that we can't change. Most of those are people. But we don't just say, okay, well, I can't do anything about it. We, 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 we lift them up to you, God. We say, God, they're yours today. I'm going to put them in your hands because you can change people. I've seen it. You change me. God, I pray that we would challenge those emotions. When we're feeling a certain way or we're feeling insecure, we'd come to you and we would challenge it or, or maybe go to people who know us and love us and trust us and say, listen, I'm feeling this way. Help me with this. I'm, I'm trying to walk through this. This is how I feel. We would be like a, a lawyer, our own lawyer in our head, cross-examining our emotions, saying, is that really true? Is that really helpful? Is that really kind? And if it's not, we just throw it away like we should. And God, I pray that we would have the courage to choose to change it. Not my will be done, but thy will be done in every single situation. Then we will know how to react like you, not just act like you. You're a good God, and you love us so much. And we thank you and we praise you. We ask all these things in Jesus' matchless name. Amen. Thanks so much for listening. If you live in the Yankton area, we'd love for you to join us Sundays at 1030 a.m. at 310 Walnut Street. You can check out more content on our website, yankton.church, or our YouTube channel, at Celebrate Yankton. If you enjoy this podcast, please subscribe to it and share with others. God bless. Thank you.